0: Junkies. what's going on golf addicts this is the tour junkies podcast and listen this is a hilarious interview scott hamilton many of you may not know scott hamilton he is a instructor and teacher coach on the pga tour coaches guys like chris kirk trey mullinax harold varner Stephen bodich boo weekly and many many more absolutely hilarious guy fantastic stories we hear about an, an amazing meltdown on the golf course by Boo Weekly, where he literally gets a golf club stuck in his golf bag. We hear about Scott Hamilton just losing his lid on a junior golfer that he's teaching and instructing, which includes a bag throw out of the bay. This is an amazing, amazing interview. We really appreciate Scott for joining the podcast. It's presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is our spot to bet. If you use promo code Tour Junkies, all one word, when you sign up, you get a 100% bonus up to a thousand dollars if you deposit $900 they give you $900 bonus to play with it's an incredible website you can bet on all kind of stuff NFL NBA great golf bets you can bet on the next Pope you can bet on Justin Bieber's best man at his wedding seriously you can bet on that There's all kind of fun stuff to bet on MyBookie.ag. They have the best mobile app experience in the biz, or mobile website, shall I say. So we really appreciate MyBookie for helping us out this season. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast with Scott Hamilton. Here you go. All right, golf addicts, David Barnett here, the Tour Junkies. I got Pat Perry with me it's an exciting episode of the podcast it's the first really for the tour junkies podcast and we've got an awesome special guest on the line that that maybe you know a lot of you guys may not know who who he is but you're gonna really be glad that you do after you listen to this podcast he is a hilarious human being and we've got we had a little chance to spend some time with him at the pga show in uh, 2018 and we we follow him on tour on instagram He's another fellow Georgia boy, Southern boy. He's as happy as we are that the Bulldogs just put it on South Carolina. We have Mister Scott Hamilton with us. What's up, Scott? How you doing, man?
1: Oh yeah, go dogs, man! I'm pumped about that. It was so good. Uh, go dogs, good, man! Just, just sitting around the house watching football.
0: That's right, man. That's a, that's that's what's up. That's it's this time I got, of I year. Got the
1: Clemson game on mute right here. So that Trevor Lawrence kids from Cartersville, Georgia. They kid that is one of the quarterbacks. I'm watching all that action. So Yeah.
0: Well yeah. You, you mentioned Cartersville. I know you're based out of Cartersville, Georgia. You've got the uh you got the Scott Hamilton Golf Academy there. Why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about like just a l- little background about, about Scott Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I I started as the club pro here in ninety three at you know, this little kind of private club in North Georgia and you know, I I Obviously, I was like 20, 27 or 8 years old when I got the job and literally had no idea what I was doing, but you know, faked it until I could figure it out. And, uh, you know, kind of part of my job, you know, I own it was old school job, I owned the shop and a little bit of the carts, and you know, they paid me a little base pay. But <laughs> teaching was important for me just because to offset my bills and to make some extra money because, you know, the job wasn't some athletic club job or anything. I was trying to keep the power on. So I just got teaching a lot. And I built a teaching building, I think, in 95 or '6. after I'd been there a couple of years. And, you know, I just kind of honed my craft, giving fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars $1,800 1, lessons a year to the members. And then, you know, I got teaching the better local juniors. And I had one of the first indoor hit outdoor facilities with six cameras in the area. And it just kind of grew from there, you know. I mean, it, I never really got in the golf business. I think I'd be some guy that taught guys on the PJ Tour and traveled around. I mean, I grew up, you know, a little small town and never traveled much. So, it never really crossed my mind that's where I'd end up. But it's kind of, at 53, that's what I do every week. Travel about 35 weeks a year on the PJ Tour. <laughs> teach, you know, I teach. I always have at least seven players, sometimes up to ten, you know. So, so who was the first?
0: Who was the first big player that you got that kind of got you out into that into the PGA well, tour?
1: It's, it's kind of a two-part question. The first guy that I ever really taught was Jason Bone. Jason Bone married a girl that family was involved with the club, and he he uh, he came over here out of college. You know, if you remember about him, he's the guy that had the hole in one at Alabama, and he lost the status. I think he was like a red shirt freshman. He was gonna play oh, yeah. golf his sophomore sophomore year. I think this is a story. He Made a hole of one, won a million bucks, and his option was to take the money or to uh not take the money and play college golf. So obviously he took the money and it allowed him, you know, to play professional golf when he got out of college. But he moved over here right out of college and I started teaching him and I helped him through, you know, the mini tour, Canadian tour, web tour, P J tour and and he's the first guy they ever got, but he's not really anybody that kind of. He was a really solid player, but he was the only guy I taught, and I'd go out a few times a year and help him on tour. So I wasn't. I was still the local club pro and helped him, but I caught a pretty good break, like in uh, I don't even know what year it was. I'd say it was probably two thousand five or six. Uh, Cleveland Golf merged or Schriks on bought Cleveland golf and they had an extra tour van on the web trailer. I'd been on tour enough to be friends with Rob waters, who's still their head tour rep. And they moved that trailer to my place. And because I had some credibility, cause I already taught a tour guy, they were fitting all these mini tour guys in there then and tour guys at Cartersville. And then I just got hooked up with a bunch of different people and just caught some breaks to get a help. You know, that's where I got uh boat boo weekly lee williams will claxton that's where i met those guys it was actually on the back of the range in cartersville georgia even though i was you know traveling around a little bit on the pga tour so kind of how i got going
0: okay so i'm not quite as familiar with this jason bones story so you're saying he's playing at alabama and he gets yeah. a hole in one at, at some event and won a million dollars
1: Yeah, what happened to Bone was he he had played – I think he played – you can verify this. I think he played in something and qualified to go out. So he played some other charity thing or some deal, and he qualified to go out and get one shot for a million dollars. And he uh, was actually kind of not even going to go, and I think one of his college teammates just bugged him. They had been out partying, and he was hungover. So he gets up and he goes out there and he hits one shot with like an eight iron and it goes in. What? And he makes a million bucks. Yeah, you you can Google it. It watches him dancing around and and that was and he won a million dollars. So his, I, I don't think I think now they've made like a Jason Bone rule or something. But his option was take the million bucks or or uh, or play college golf. So he obviously wanted to play professional <laughs> golf. So he's like his own sponsor. You
2: know?
0: What? Yeah.
1: Yeah. David how
2: long have you not heard that story it's been around for a while you've been in a hole somewhere if you haven't heard that story I, I, I don't,
0: I'm not brushed up I'm not as I'm not as brushed up on my Jason bone uh, hi- history as you are maybe I yeah I, I, I so, so he didn't have to make that decision before he hit the shot, right? He just had to make this. No, it was
1: like after he hit the shot, and I don't know how it played out after that, but he, he, you can Google it. it that's freaking nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs>
0: I mean, that shot changed his entire because he's been on tour for a long time, man. I mean, yeah,
1: he got, I think he probably got on tour. He, he was about to quit golf, I think, when he turned about, and he really was a late bloomer, believe it or not. Uh, he was, I think he was 29 or 30, and he was about to quit. And he went out that year, and because he'd, he'd had a lot of success in Canada, but he had never moved up, he'd never made the finals of Q school. And like the last year, he just said, I'm, I'm going balls the wall. And he just went out and started Monday qualifying for web events. And he got in, you know, he missed two or three right to start with by like a shot, and then he got in a couple. And I think he lost in the playoff in Canada. There was a web event in Canada, then he came down and he won the Chattanooga event like week or the next week or a week or two later, and he'd been on tour every year. He'd, he'd never really lost his tour card until, I guess, last year.
0: So tell me – I've heard he's a pretty funny
1: guy. You gotta, you oh, got he's like hysterical.
0: A, yeah. you got to go to Jason Bones' story. And keep in mind, this is a podcast. You can say whatever you want.
1: Uh, you know what I mean? I'm just – I've spent – hours and hours of bone I mean he's just insane man it's like in the, his funnier stuff was when he was in college like he he tells me stories about when they were in college and you know because he was pretty free spirit at that point point. and my favorite story that he ever told me was that he and a buddy of his on a spring break decided they were going to go to the Grand Canyon and he was at the University of Alabama and the only thing they had was a gas card so <laughs> They went out to the Grand Canyon and rode all the way out there, and they just used, like, I guess his dad would give him a gas card. So everything they ate and bought was at whatever certain gas station, You're like a Chevron <laughs> or something. And they they got out to the Grand Canyon, and they bought some of those. Remember those big Australian beers that were, like, they used to call them, like, oil cans, those great big things? I forget what the name of the brand was. Fosters? Yeah, Fosters. And they bought them, Foster. like, a 12-pack of Fosters and put them in a backpack and hiked down the grand canyon <laughs> got down in the bottom i guess they drank the beer down the grand canyon and then they had to figure out how to get back out of there but so uh i got harold varner buzzing in on me right now
0: <laughs> he's in vegas he, he's in vegas yeah. right now
1: Yeah. He, he, if i could get him on the line i would let him that would be so
0: awesome. right <laughs> so uh what? So, who are the who are the guys in the Scott Hamilton uh, golf cat or in the Scott Hamilton PGA Tour stable at the moment?
1: Man, people ask me this all the time. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm opening my tour app. <laughs> 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 right. uh, uh, obviously, <laughs> I still teach Bodich, which is a story we can talk about in a second. Uh, Will Claxton, I've taught forever. It's, he's just come back, started to play. You know, he's playing those web playoffs. He had a hip surgery and a back, hadn't played in four years. Joe Durant, I've taught for years. Matt Every, uh, Tom Hogue, Chris Kirk. Uh, I teach that kid, Hank Labode, that just got his tour card. He finished 25th on the web. Trey Molinax, uh, Scott Stallings, Hudson Swafford, Harold Varner, and obviously Boo Weekly. They're my main guys. And there's some other guys I've helped a little bit here at the end of the year that i wouldn't call i teach them full-time i just help them a little bit you know at the end of the end of the tour season you'll always pick up two or three guys that have kind of been struggling that need need some help so now i teach brooke pancake and i teach jane park to play on the lpga lpga and uh casey wittenberg and this guy jt griffin out of atlanta and that are web guys and you know i teach a bunch of d1 girls and I don't really teach any D one boys anymore. I teach a lot of D one girls.
2: So when you're when you're on actually at a tour event, you know we we see like guys like you, John Fillory, you know, you know the, the the more flashy guys like Sean Foley when they get to these tournaments. You know, what are you what are you doing at a tournament with your players? Because you're, I'm sure you're working with them a lot. You know, outside of of the tournament atmosphere. What are you trying to do when you're, you're on-site, leading up, you know, a couple of days to the tournament? What is, like, the key focus that you're there for?
1: Uh, honestly, it's just each guy's different. Like, a guy like Stallings, we have a real ritual we do. We kind of do the short game stuff. We do some games with Trackman. We hit balls. We make sure a club pass negative because he only fades it mostly. Uh, you know, stuff like that with Stallings. With Kirky... I'll get on the track man with him and just try to get his club path dialed in, try to, you know, with Kirk, a lot of times we'll work on the height, his height of a shot. I mean, it's just different with each single guy. To be honest with you, there's not a lot of full throttle guys that have been out there doing it a long time, like me or Killary or Foley or or you know Blackburn, or there. And the truth of it is, there's only five or six of us that are out there all the time. There's not that many. There's a there's a lot of players that have their teacher from home, kind of like I was with Jason Bone, that might show up a little bit. But there's only maybe there's seven of us that are out there on a constant basis that you know see each other, hang out on the range, that travel. You know the the twenty plus weeks a year, but it's really we're not really doing super in-depth instruction out there or I'm definitely not like mostly it's just kind of tweaks or here a little bit or trying to help a guy with certain shots or you've looked at their stats and they're, you know, they're sucking from 150 to 170 and you try to dial that in or, and what's crazy is I do tons of club fitting, man, just because there's so many manufacturers out there giving these guys stuff all the time. Normally, everybody's looking for some kind of utility club or a three-wood or a driver. So I do tons of that. But it's not its not like you can always see when like some young instructor gets out there and he's gung-ho and he's got a guy down there on Wednesday and he looks like he's giving Mrs. Havocamp a lesson in the teaching bay and just working them <laughs> over. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's screwed, man. That's way too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked
2: about Stallings, so I've I've got to ask. Um, I've heard something about the Stallings speed bump. What, what what is that?
1: Uh yeah, I was telling. So Stallings is, you know, he's worked out like a beast. I've taught him. Yeah, he has. God, <laughs> know, he drives sure me crazy. crazy. But, That's all I see about him. I mean, the guy's always worked out a time, but he's always, you know, he wasn't the thinnest guy ever. He was still solid, you know, and kind of had a little belly on him or something. And he changed his diet up a bunch. And, you know, because he worked out enough, he just always kind of had a little, you know, a little something around the waist. And when he changed his diet, I mean, he lost 30 pounds. I don't know how fast it was. I swear to God, it seemed like a month that he lost 30 pounds and just dropped his body fat down to nothing. Well, when he did that, His golf swing lengthened out a little bit and because he has a real short arm swing, golf swing anyway, and his club head speed jumped up like four or five miles an hour. And you know, I just always say smart ass shit all the time. And, and we, how this came up is because we were talking about like ball fitting because he used the, he used the star ball and we, we went back and had him hit the 17X just because of the, his, we always thought his his max height on his irons was always about eighty five ninety feet. Well, he when his speed went up, his launch went up, and we were talking about it on the range one day. And I'm like, "Yeah, man! Ever since you got rid of that speed bump around your gut right there <laughs> in your club head, I mean, because he was a constant one twelve one fourteen. He's one eighteen driver speed now, man. I mean, he picked up when he got this range of motion, I guess, because he thinned out. The launch went up, and the club head speed went up a ton, and so I called it the speed bump. He thought it was pretty funny, you know. He
0: he said you still – he wanted us to remind you that you owe him a significantly nice bottle of wine off of some wedge game bet. Oh, I owe
1: him way more than that, man. I, <laughs> I owe a, a dinner and a wine, it was like the very last time. So we play – I have my guys play a TrackMan game all the time, seven shots, and they hit a 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, and 80. And what I do is I add up the difference. Like, if they hit at fifty, if it's supposed to be fifty and they hit at fifty-two, that's two. Yeah. Well, you know, the the average for these guys is about twelve. If you throw like a college kid on there, they'll twenty-five. You know, so they're averaging literally less. They're, honestly, their average for the tour guys is about fifteen. So they average about two yards missed carry distance on each shot. Well, he he did it one time, and he did like. And I don't even remember what it was. It was like 10 or 9 or something. And I'm like, I'll bet you the rest of the year you don't beat that. That's insane because it really is hard. Like, think about it. You hit one shot that's four yards off. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, that,
1: that's half of it right there. And yeah. like the last time of the year, he scored like eight something. And, you know, the bet was when we got to Napa that I'd buy him. We'd go out to dinner, whatever you wanted, and I'd pay for the <laughs> wine. You know, I was thinking three or 400 bucks, you know. So, yeah, I haven't paid him yet
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you you talk about the difference in
0: in the wedge game there like what what do you think the biggest difference is in coaching um like a scratch amateur out of Cartersville and a pro yeah what what, what are the biggest differences
1: I mean it's it, <sighs> wow, it's you know I mean, they're so far apart I mean a tour player compared to like. The best guy at your local club, are the it's it's like the difference between the plus two handicap and a fifteen handicap. That's yeah. what the range is, and that's what people don't realize. I mean, the coaching tour guy and I literally only coach really skilled. Actually, it was yesterday I gave a friend of mine, Richie Bolterup, that we. We worked on Hilton Head, and we're in our early 20s together, and I gave him a lesson. He's a commercial banker in Chattanooga, and he came down. I hadn't seen the guy in years, and he came down, and I gave him a lesson. And he was a really good player back in the day on Hilton Head. And it was really enjoyable for me because I got to hear about his family and spend two or three hours with him. And But it's just like, I mean, slow changes. Like, we need to do this. we got to work on this. You get a tour guy in there, and you tell him what to do, and you tell him the right thing, they can do it in, like, five seconds. So this whole where people go get lessons and are like, hey, man, you ought to be better in a month, that that probably works with your scratch player, but with your tour guys, they're instantly better if you tell them the right thing. Jeez, they can, so, It's just just the control they have over the body and where the club goes. And, and the thing with me my style of teaching is – I don't teach everybody the same thing. Chris Kirk and Boo Weekly couldn't be any farther apart in their delivery. You know, one's a push-draw guy that that kind of has a high handle and, and has a little bit of face rotation. The other one's a low-handle smasher. You know, a tons of torque, like Boo has tons of torque, or Chris doesn't. So what I try to do is take what guys do and make it better and clean up how they deliver it and make their action because they're on tour, man. It's not like they need to be rewired.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: This day and
2: age we've got, you know, just so many analytics out there, stats, you know, with all the strokes game stats and everything. And we talk about that on our on our podcast week in and week out when we're looking at players and who we like for the week. How much does that factor in to to what you're showing these guys and what you're teaching these guys. You know, talk just talk about the stats, the analytics, and, and where that factors in with, with your teaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously look at my guys' stats all the time, and when you see they have, like, where the stats help you the most is where, let's say some guy's 50th in one distance and 120th in the next distance up in proximity to the hole, and then he's 50th in the next one after that. You're like, there's something going on there. Like, why in the world would he be so bad from that? so Part of the problem with the stats is when you look at them, you have to look at the attempts. Like, there are certain areas tour guys don't hit a lot of shots from, you know? Yeah. So, you know, if it's, mm-hmm. a, if it's a stat and they have tons of attempts, and it's bad, yeah, that's important. If it's a stat, it's kind of mediocre, but there's 15 attempts for the season. It doesn't mean anything to me, you know? But, yeah, I use the stats all the time. It's just a way to gauge it. It's it's You know, and the thing is, you get fooled with the tour stats because, like, you try to help an LPGA girl or yeah, good luck. on the web, their stats aren't any good compared to, like, the men's stats where I can just kick up, log in, kick up, and just kind of track down them and keep track of it, you know? But, but you uh, know stats stats can be super misleading too to be honest with you. well yeah
2: and I, I i tend to agree but if you're if you're looking at let's just say a typical tour event going into the week what do you think would be the just let's say top two stats that you think are the most telling the most accurate going into the week if you want to look at, at you know a trend for a player and and how they might do for for that that tournament
1: well it depends on where you're at you know i mean the 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 problem with the tour is or it's not a problem but part of the way is like akron the pga championship then we went to like the first fedex cup those literally golf courses were all the same i'm standing there going somebody's going to win this it's going to be dustin johnson or jason day you can just walk out there they're really long. They're not that narrow, and they're soft, so the ball's not going to run off into the rough, and they have such a massive advantage. So it just depends on which golf course we're going to. But, you know, to me, I'm a driver guy. Like, I asked Oliver Wilson, who plays in Europe a couple years mm-hmm. ago in Akron, and I'm like, Ollie, what do you think the difference between the regular tour, our tour, and the European tour is? And he said, there's no doubt that the guys drive it more accurately and longer over here than – and he's talking about the whole field, not like the top 10% in Europe and the top 10% here. He's like, the the guys just drive the ball so well over here, and you literally can't play over here if you're not a super accurate, fairly long driver of the ball. Like, And I always tell people, like a guy like Trey Malenak or a Hudson Swafford. Those guys can come out on tour because they both are long and they're both accurate with their driver. They can learn how to play on the PJ Tour, and it gives them time to refine all the other skills and play the golf courses because the more you play a golf course, the more advantage you have. So it gives them the opportunity to make mistakes and have weaknesses with their wedges, or maybe they're not the best putter, or maybe some of their proximity. But they're going to have a couple of hot weeks, and they hit it up there so far but they can stay out there long enough to figure all that stuff out. But if you get a guy that comes out of the web category and he's 112 club head speed, that guy's got to be good at everything when he shows up out there to stay out there. Now, if he's been out there 10 years and he knows the courses and knows how to play, but if if he's been out there 10 years, he's good at everything anyway. So like Hmm. driving, that total driving stat is a big one, man.
0: I was going to say, what are some of your favorite stats?
1: Total driving. Like, you know, And I like to teach guys now that hit it a mile. It's just so much easier. And they all hit it a long ways now. But, you know, I, I look the proximity of the hole stats. The wedge stats, you know, are you giving shots away? That's why I kind of got that track man game going was because of Stallings. I'd go out and watch him play and he'd hammer it down the middle and then hit his his – you know, get a sixty yard sh- sixty yard shot and hit it thirty feet. You know, you just can't do that out there. Well, yeah. I was going to ask you about the total driving stat.
0: Why? Why do you? Because you didn't mention any of the strokes gain stats.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at the stroke gain stuff, but you know, it's all distance. And I mean, I think that that's a good stat. It's just kind of flawed. Like, you know, I mean, you'll see see guys putt really well, and they're, you know. <laughs> I don't know, like, it's obvious when a guy wins a tournament because he putts good, like whenever the naughty kid won down in, in uh, Mississippi, I think it was yeah. back in Mississippi, and he was, like, plus 12 yeah. strokes gaining. I mean, it screams at you, but, I mean, like a guy like Boo Weekly, he can be, if he if he's negative point something, something, nothing putting, he can still win the golf tournament really easy because he's a ball striker, you know?
0: Yeah, and yeah. then the PGA
1: Tour is so much more of a ball striker tour than the Web Tour. The you know one of the biggest flaws for the Web is just the quality course. They they don't honestly send the best twenty five guys up there normally. It got perfect examples like a guy like Will Claxton. He's a ball striker, kind of an okay putter at best, and he was an okay wedge player. He never did hardly anything on the Web Tour. But his first year out on the PJ Tour, he was ninth in total ball striking. He kept his card easy because even par is such a better score on the PJ Tour than it is on the Web Tour. You know where yeah. the cut, like in Springfield, I had Will Collins Monday into Springfield this year, shot five under and missed the cut. And, and different stats mean different things to different people. Like I had uh, a couple years ago was uh, Zach Blair who. A guy, one of the guys that was helping him, a trainer or something, was like, what can we do to get Zach Blair to hit it farther? I wouldn't teach him. He just asked me, you know, over in the corner sitting by the putting green in the shade. He's like, what can we do to make Zach Blair hit it farther? And I'm like, is that important for him? He goes, yeah, he needs to hit it farther. So I go and pull a staff up and start looking at him. And he was like ninth in driving accuracy. Now he's about last in distance, which all the top normally all the most accurate guys except a guy like I think it's Stenson is way up there for driving accuracy, but he hits three woods. He doesn't yeah. need to drive it. Yet, yeah, you know? he is yeah. So it's kind of that's kind of a flawed accuracy stat. So I look at his stats and he's like last in distance or around the bottom, but he's like ninth or something in accuracy well but also then i jumped down there and looked at his his wedge stats they were terrible they're like 130 140 something like that and that's not terrible it's just for him a guy that's that accurate and that drives at that distance if like i'm teaching him we're going to go hammer those proximities out from 150 in and dial him in there because you know the guy almost kept his tour card doing that he was just he just needed to pick up a shot or two with his wedges and he's kept his card for the year, you know? So like going and grabbing that guy and trying to make him longer, I'm not doing him a favor. You know, I'm doing him a favor if I dial his wedges. he's top 20 in all those wedge categories, He's he, that's the best thing he can do for himself, you know?
0: Easier to get that improved than it is teaching more speed and getting more distance.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've, We've done. I've done the thing where we try to give guys speed before and get them out of sequence, and you know, take some cut guy and try to make him a push draw guy to pick some. Try to get him hit up on it instead of hitting down or level on it, you know, to get him some carry. And and the next thing, you jack their whole golf swing up, you know. So,
0: what but are I've your thoughts? Done. What are your what do you, how do you handle a guy with a huge ego? Like, how do you coach somebody? Have Have you ever had to do that?
1: No, nah, I never really had, man. I'm so particular who I teach, and yeah, I, I'm so straight up, you know. And I've done this so long, I'm, I, you know, I mean, I only teach people I enjoy to be around. I mean, literally, I love southerners and Australian guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I teach Tom Hogue. You know, he lives in Dallas. He's from North Dakota. but That guy's some kind of piece of work, man. He is. <laughs> I was how I describe Hoagie is, and he's had a really good year this year, and he is really fun to be with. But like, I always call him a straight shot with a complaint. Like when we're on the range, he'll hit it out there, and it's dead straight, and he's complaining about it. So <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable, man. right?
0: <laughs> we like Hoagie. We we we've got. I think it's his brother or so, I can't remember who it is, Pat, but somebody that's related to him. Follows us on That's Twitter. His, it's
2: his brother. It's his is brother. it his brother? Yeah. yeah follows us on yeah. Twitter
0: and is always getting us, uh, showing us his. Yeah. His... And they have
2: beer, beers for whatever it is. Beers. Every
0: time Hoagie makes a birdie, they're slamming beers on Twitter and stuff. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hoagie's a piece of work, man. He is some kind of character. And <laughs> this was my first year I taught him, and I mean I've loved hanging out with him. He's he's
2: he's some kind of entertainment. Scott, what do you think about Bryson? You know, he's got yeah, obviously he's won a couple tournaments here. He's 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 gotten on the Ryder Cup team. Um, you know, just takes a different approach to golf. With, oh man, it's you know, not
1: that different. That's a bunch of bullshit, man. The okay, guy, all right. So this is what I want to hear. So talk to I me mean, about that's, him. That's retarded. Like, so the guy stands really close to it and. If you take a typical golfer and you draw an elbow plane line on so you take a down the line, take a Boo Weekly or, I don't know, care, pick anybody, take Kirk, you take anybody, and they're standing there, and it address the angle between their arms and the shaft. There's a slight V in that. If you draw a line off the elbow of the, the neck of the club or the the hosel of the club, you draw it up to their, their elbow. On the downswing, that's roughly where the club comes down it's called the elbow plane line and what happens on the downswing because the centrifugal force your arms straighten out and that bend between the shaft and the arms goes away well bryson just stands there and up cocks it and gets on the elbow plane line and literally kind of swings it up and down that so it's not it's it's, it's still going in an angle plane around him and it's the same crap, man i mean it yeah,
0: but you can't—you can't argue like all the the same length clubs and the grips and all that stuff that he's doing, right? Like that—that's very—it's—it's it's pretty unconventional.
1: I mean, he didn't invent it. I mean, y'all ever heard of Mo Norman? I mean, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I know he didn't, but but like no, there's you can you can
1: barely name a few people that have ever done it, right? Nah, there's not anybody. I mean, he's the first. He's obviously the best player that's ever done it. I mean, but. Like, you take the same length clubs and you swing weight them differently. I mean, they go the same distance. I mean, there's a guy down in Texas that makes those clubs for lots of people. And I went to an education seminar that he put on in a side room of the PGA show this year and talked to him a bunch about it. It's it's just, it's it's not, I mean, I guess it's unique to everybody in the world. It's just not that. Unreal to me. It just doesn't mean that much to me. You know? <laughs> nice. Nice. Um I mean the guy's good. Yeah, know? clearly. I mean, but you don't you don't, I you mean, don't
2: think that, that he's not on to anything like revolutionary that, that people nah, can start I mean, like, no, absolutely not, you know? <laughs> and I say that I say that from a standpoint of I agree. I don't think it is, but that's the way people think about it. Like,
1: you well, know, you get a guy because, like... Yeah. I mean, it's something to talk about on TV, like, you know, I mean, there's the truth of what really happens, and then there's, like, the television version of, you know, something to talk about, and the wind, and your compass, and, I mean, all that, you know. I mean, I, I was at the White House last year doing a thing with a bunch of players, and he was there, and he's a super nice guy, like, i talked to him a bunch, and... We had this lengthy conversation. He is telling me he did all this testing about, you know, hitting, hitting it as hard as he could and that it wasn't as accurate. And, you know, I mean, I listened to this for ten minutes me and Charles' house sitting there. And, and at the end of it, I'm just like, so you're telling me if you swing at it as hard as you possibly can, it doesn't go as straight? You know, that's the gist of it, you know? Like, I get it. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude charles howell what a what an all-star that guy is he's been on our yeah. podcast he's a great
1: yeah, person. he's a great guy i taught him last year that was fun
0: yeah. yeah he's a great player i think i might
1: have been too boring for him but but <laughs> i absolutely enjoyed my time with him i love his wife man she's a piece of work dude for <laughs> dude for for you to be too boring for somebody that that
0: I don't know. Well, it's... it's
1: just in the how technical I teach, you know, and uh-huh. uh, he gets the handle way down in there, and I didn't, you know, with me, I didn't want to do anything with it because it, it, I just kind of wanted to work around it, and I think he wanted to change that, and you know, and that's that's the way my job goes. Like you'll teach guys for, you know, you, you might teach them two years or four years, or I mean, if I went down the list of all the guys I've taught since I've been on tour, uh, you know. it's massive and it's and I never burn a bridge with a guy just because it's they're professional golfers, and every golfer's trying to it's not it's not a knock on me they're trying to do what they can to be better at at the game you know yeah. they, every golfer out there wants to be better, and if they feel like, hey, I maybe this guy can make me better, they're going to go do it you know the hardest thing is for a guy like a tiger. When he was the best in the world, to just keep doing what he does because it bores him, you know.
2: Yeah, Scott, if you're thinking about the like be, being out on tour, just just day to day, week to week, what is the like the go-to funniest story you can think of from from being out in, at events on tour with one of I your guys, or maybe not the even best?
1: Here. I can't can't tell, but yeah. give me one you can tell i mean so probably one of the funniest things i've ever seen on tour is
0: hope you guys are enjoying the podcast with scott hamilton before we get to the answer of this next awesome question and great story. When it comes to comfort on the golf course, there's regular underwear, then there's Tommy John. And guess what? Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. Take it from me, Tommy John has sent me a pat- Some fantastic underwear, okay? It feels great. They have the no wedgie guarantee. It's comfortable. Stay put waistbands. So no matter what's happening there around that spare tire area, you still got your waistband doing what it's supposed to do. Very soft, very light, moisture-wicking, breathable for the old ball sack there that you need. There's no bunching, no riding up, and it must be why Golf Digest rated Tommy John the best underwear in golf for two years in a row. So if you're playing real golf, rock some Tommy John. And guess what? If you're not and you're listening to this, then when you're listening to a golf podcast, you should probably wear some Tommy John. All right, so hurry to tommyjohn.com slash tourjunkies for 20% off your first order. So tommyjohn.com slash tourjunkies for 20% off your first order. Tommyjohn.com slash tourjunkies. All right, so hit that up. We really appreciate Tommy John for helping us out, sending us some free undies. That, that stuff's killer. I'm telling you guys, they're really, really good. Seriously. Like, we wouldn't we wouldn't be rocking it on the show if they weren't. All right, back to Scott Hamilton. Let's go.
1: We're, they used to play this tour event at Cordoval, I think was the name of it, in California. And as <laughs> Boo and Bouto were playing Kisner and Brown in a match on a practice round. And Boo hits it so straight that when he hits it offline a little bit, he just absolutely loses his mind. I mean, <laughs> loses his mind. Like, I, I, it's hard to explain how good the guy actually hits it and when it's not just perfect, he's just not happy. So, I don't know. If, I don't even remember how the match did, but they're playing long, and I can see Boo's just simmering. Like, his, his it's not going how he wants it to go. So... They're over on this par five, I think it was on the on the back nine. that made the turn or something, and Boo uh, hits this wedge shot into this green. It hits the green. It's probably twenty five feet from the hole left. He can't stand to hit those left pulls like that. And he and you know we're everybody's kind of standing out in the fairway, spread out. And he he's this is the boiling point for him. So he he takes this wedge and he sticks it in the side of his golf bag and it gets stuck in there the cat kind of backs up. and is like, Oh my God. So this is how strong Boo is. So the wedge won't come out of the bag. So Boo's got this bag on the end of the wedge over his head. I mean, so the, the wedge is stuck in the bag and he's helicoptering this thing around. over of his head. And the clubs are going out around him in a 360 pattern, like, <laughs> They're just, and we're all just standing there like kids out there. And we're all just like, oh my god, like this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it, finally, it's over with. Like his, his tirades over with. He just gets in the bag and gets like his keys out and just walks off and goes. In. <laughs> so then he. You know, so he goes up, and and I didn't see him because I'm still out working. But like I think Bado told me, Bado goes in there and checks on. Well, he's sitting up there in the in the bar, like you got like. By the time they get there, there's three or four holes to play. There's like five empty beer bottles sitting around him at the table. <laughs> he just takes off, and this is I think this was on a Tuesday, and he never came back out to the golf course until the tournament started, and I think he. I think he top 10 that week. I don't know what. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just just crazy crap like that. I mean, I got tons of boo stories, man. That guy's a legend, you know. But one of my mm-hmm. favorite booth stories is he shot, like, 62 in the last round in Tampa four, four or five years ago. And so he played an hour early before the finishers. And the I think Stroman maybe ended up winning the tournament and, like, birdied one of the last holes to beat him, like, 17 or something. But he got done, and, you know, he's sitting over there with his caddy on the range. Well, this little young reporter girl walks up to him and goes, can I interview you? And he goes, yeah, man. So she's like, hey, boo, you know, how, how you doing, man? You know, how he is, <laughs> He's like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" He goes, "I got nothing to do. What do you want to go do?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just stalled her out like she didn't know what to say. <laughs> he goes, "I got an hour, man. What do you want to do?"
0: That's great. All right,
2: uh, well, you know, you know, we love some us, so yeah, he, he he he's been on the yeah, he's he's uh, he's great. We love the guy. We gotta hear some Baldo's stories, you
1: know. Any 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 good uh any good stories you got for us there? I mean, I thought Baldo like Baldo was struggling a bunch back in I think I started teaching him in oh eight or something like that. And he got I mean the guy the and the guy is gonna be back playing golf. Like he's a stud. we we'll, we're gonna work this deal out for him. I guarantee yep. it. Yeah, he just kinda mm-hmm. played hit and miss this year. We're gonna get that stuff fixed. But uh so Bado's, I mean, he's just as he's as typical Australian as you can get, man. Like that dry sense of humor and just says funny stuff and witty as hell. And so Bato's playing. So this is like one of the first years I've taught him. So he's played the web. So he went over in the winter and he played. They used to have this kind of pro am series in Australia where there were a lot of events to play, like town after town, and he won. They're they're pretty big over there. They're not as big as like obviously the Australian Masters and they're open and all that. But it's like the next kind of tier events down, they're they're decent events, you know. They're more like a web event. Yeah. So he's over there and he's playing. I don't even remember where it was. But he's got like an eight-shot lead on going into the tournament to the final round. And I'm at the club working. This is – and I remember I'm walking from the cart barn to the pro shop. And my phone rang and I look down at my phone and this is like the night before the final round. And in time change wise, I look down at my phone and this battle call and I'm like, man, I think it's about three in the morning over there in Australia. <laughs> so I answer the phone. I'm like, Hey man, what are you doing? He, he's doing pretty good when he gets on the phone. <laughs> I'm like, battle, man, what are you doing? He goes, uh, he goes, I'm just out walking home from the bar. I'm like, What time is it over there? And he tells me it's like three thirty AM. I'm like, What are you doing, man? You got like an eight shot lead in this term. He goes, Man, bro, he goes, I I couldn't even fuck that up, bud
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> And he didn't he won I I think he won by eight or six or something. He buttoned but he it up. up the next day. But I mean just So, a guy's such a classic. And that guy, honestly, there's been, even though Jason Bone was my first guy, there's, uh, Stephen has been the most important guy in my career. Like, with, because when he got his tour card in 10, I was with him at his, at the Webb Championship, and I think it was over in Charleston, and and, uh, he kind of set up how I got paid and what I should do, and, you know, I mean, the guy's just been he's always super promoted me. He's talked about me a lot when he was, you know, playing really well. He he's promoted me with other players to go get guys for me to help. I mean, he's just he's I mean, and he's like a family member to Lisa and I. I mean, he stayed at our house, you know, a hundred nights plus over the years and you know, I mean, I'm so attached to him, so Yeah, he's
0: a good dude for sure. We uh we can't wait to see see him back out there and doing his thing. He's um, you can tell uh, b- behind the behind the dry sense of humor and, and Aussie wit. You can tell he's just a really good human, you know. Um, yeah, and you, you can't help but yeah. pull for the guy.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a top notch human man. I love that guy. What? Um, speaking of,
0: okay, you you said this and it kind of made me think about it. Like, how 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 do guys like you get paid? How does that work on the PGA tour with a player?
1: Uh, I mean, the way I get paid is the guys pay me a retainer, like a that kind of pays my expenses. I have like a quarterly retainer, which isn't that much, you know. And then they pay me a percentage uh, of their of their earnings for the year, and th- it, that averages between normally three and five percent, you know. Okay. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of I go more of a retainer in the low end of the percentage is how I do it, but. You know, it's a it's a great job, especially if you have a bunch of guys and they're playing good, you know. I mean it's way better running the member guest than making eighty five grand, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: So what about um what what would you do if Tiger ever asked you to coach him?
1: Uh man I mean who wouldn't want to teach Tiger Sure. like my gig is so good, nobody really knows who I am unless you're a straight golf nerd. And yeah. I'm a corner stander, like that whole, you know, everybody criticized you. and Yeah, you know, I don't need somebody telling everybody what a dumbass I am. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, And the thing about like, and obviously Tiger's doing the right thing for himself right now because he's playing really well and kind of freed it up and. I mean, I think I could have definitely helped him, you know. And I'm sure every instructor you talk to you would tell you that because you know you got to have some kind of ego to do this crap. But I mean, the worst thing in the world is to catch somebody on the back end of their career, and then they want to compare you to Butch when he was a young yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a no win situation, you know. Yeah, it's like when Como started teaching him, and I'm buddy to Como. I'm like, man, that's a tough one there, Chris. You know, I mean, you're you're not getting the the twenty year old tiger, you're getting the thirty yeah. five year old tiger, you know, that's had a bunch of injuries and beat up, you know. But can you really so, say no to him, you know? Like could you? I mean, that's a game changer for you yeah. if you do it. I mean he put he's put coma, we put foley on the map. There are more household names now than you know, I mean and obviously Sean teaches Justin Rose who's a stud, you know. Yeah. But you know, and a lot of that how well you're known is how much that's that you want to be known. It's nothing. You know, I do some Instagram stuff just cuz I think it's fun and interesting. That's about all the kind of self-promotion business I do. It's just not my gig, you know.
0: Yeah, which, which by my the way, wife I, talks to me about that every once
1: in a while, you know.
0: I, by the way, I've noticed uh uh I've noticed that the Instagram game's gotten better here lately. I'm, I'm enjoying Yeah.
1: enjoying watching it. Well, I enjoy it and I like to see the comments that people say and You know, I kind of think that, you know, since I'm the age I am, the way the golf instruction is going, it's going to go to more online lesson stuff. And I kind of, my kind of thought is if I get going pretty good on this and two or three years down the road, I want to quit. Maybe I'll have enough followers. I could, you know, do some posts and do some online lessons where I could knock out four or five of them a day and hang out with my wife at the house, you know. Yeah.
0: So, by the way, on Instagram, that's Scott Hamilton Golf at Scott Hamilton Golf for you guys on Instagram.
1: Yeah. No, all that's right. A good, it's, a,
0: it's a good follow. Pat, you had a question that that Stallings wanted us to ask him about.
2: Well, yeah, because you know I know he's you know we're talking about pros here and all that, but look, it's not like that's all you teach, Scott. So you you got to have some juniors out there, and you know what? In today's day and age, this this millennium age, I'm sure there's some just absolute jerks. But so I wanna hear you know, who is uh you know, tell me about giving a lesson to a kid that was just being a jerk to you. Just 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 uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean I I mean it's just what I am. Like I so This has been years and years ago, but I was still, I could kind of teach. I was, my book was full all time. And I mean, I'm charging like 80 bucks an hour back then, maybe. And I was teaching this kid out of Atlanta. And the thing is I live up in North Georgia and I love the chicken farmer's kid from Calhoun. And like a lot of times I didn't dig the private school kid from Buckhead. You know what I mean? It's it's like August and it's a Saturday or Sunday and I booked all day long. And I've got, it's a hundred and I'm sure I'm hung over, you know, so <laughs> I'm sitting in the hot box and they're giving this lesson <laughs> to this kid. And I knew I was in trouble when the kid walked up, like one of the first lessons and he walks up and he's got it's back when, the, remember when Adidas had those pants that like your cat, they thought your calf sweat. So they had those little vents in the back. Yeah, he had those Adidas (laughs) pants on, and he had had a white belt. You know, he had the golf shirt, but and he had the you know the Adidas golf shirt with the three stripes on. He had his hat on, and he had his Oakleys on backwards. Probably never put them on his face. So he comes, (laughs) he comes. This kid's about six foot five and high school kid, and he comes rolling around the corner and got big bushy black curly hair and. I'm looking at him like that's kinda of weird a kid shows up no clubs. Well here comes his little kind of fat dad behind him fetching and carrying the clubs you know? <laughs> I'm like this six foot five kid in this golf costume's got his dad carrying his clubs <laughs> and, you know, I had I got a chair in in my teaching bay. I sit in the right hand corner and in the middle there's a folding chair there and I you know, once we get going the parents started talking, I'd always stop the lesson and go let me give you the rules in here, bud. I go, I'm in the talker's chair, and you're in the payer's chair. <laughs> I do the talking, and you do the paying. shit, <laughs> so Like, all this kid wanted to do was hit it as hard as he could, and I had absolutely no idea. And his dad's telling me how good he is. He ain't worth a shit, you know. And he got the whole costume. You know, if it was today, he'd have the PXG irons for sure, you know. so (laughs) (laughs) He's in there, and I'm up trying to help him, and it's hotter than hell. And the kid, the kid at one point, so in front of my teaching bay, there's a cooler. And this is kind of what finally, this is what set me over the edge before I finally went over the edge. The kid looks at his dad, and his dad's sitting beside me, and the kid's standing in the front of the bay hitting out, and the cooler's in front of the kid. And he tells his dad he needs the water. Well, this this dad pops up as fast as he can, Jeez. runs out front, gets in the cooler, gets him a water bottle out, wipes it off, takes the lid off and hands it to him, and the kid drinks it and screws it back on. He sets it on the camera box behind him and runs back and sits in his chair. I was like, you know me, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, the cooler's close to you and your dad. Like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and I'm trying to help him. This kid and Bill McDonald is the head coach of South Carolina's in the bay beside me, and he's insane too, man. That's one funny guy. And he's over there teaching, and that's before he went to be the head coach of South Carolina. And so this kid, like i tell him two or three things, and he's grunting at me, like just like, eh. like you know, like I have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, he kind of <laughs> grunts at me. Doesn't talk to me, just grunts at me. And about the- the third time he grunted at me, I just lost my mind. I just jumped up out of my chair, and he had one in ping hoofer bags. I grabbed his bag <laughs> and threw it from about 40 yards out of the range of the bay. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you, you can get the fuck out of my bay, man. I'm out. I'm out on this. And I said, and the, the one part of the story that I forgot about was the dad had already told me, like, he's going to, like, Walker or something down at Atlanta, at and you know, I always ask kids the first time, I want to know questions about them, like, what kind of student are you and all that. And, you know, the dad's making excuses for the kids making C's down there at this private school and all that, how hard it was and all that. You know? <laughs> so I'm already realized this is a big-ass lazy stupid kid that his dad's like treating him like a pansy ass. So <laughs> I picked the bag up, yard sale out in front of the bay. By the time Bill pops his head out the other bay, he just thinks it's the greatest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> Cause if you given a bunch of golf lessons, you get to, <laughs> I tell the kid to get out. You know, obviously saying shit I should And I'm like, get the fuck out of my bay and and tell <laughs> tell the dad. I said, you got to go too, man. And so the dad. Gets and I'm happy as a lark because I've got like 40 minutes till my next lesson. <laughs> <life> <laughs> but Dad comes back in, you know, and he, he walks comes moseying back in my bay. I'm like, "What kind of day for you?" And he's like, "I just want." And I told the Dad in the process of throwing the clubs that I'm like, "This is why your kid makes C's, man. Like you're carrying his bag and getting him water and making excuses for him doing crappy in this expensive school. Like when I was a kid." I'd I'd mow yards to pay the guy twenty five bucks to give me a lesson. It was worthless, you know. (laughs) So I'd give him Dad. So Dad comes in, he goes, "I don't." He goes, "I I totally understand what you're doing." He goes, "I just don't appreciate your son, you talking to my son like that with that foul language." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're probably right on that." But I said, "He's still a turd, man." The
2: kid's a turd. (laughs) (laughs) I said.
1: you don't need to be down there spending $80 to get this kid a golf place. You need to make him go mow your yard.
0: Man. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: <so. laughs> that is fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's about the end of that. So that's kind of a view into my personality, I guess. But, you know, I love kids. I just, <laughs> I just don't like yeah, the ass yeah. kids, you know. Uh, the chicken farmer's son that goes down there and works and shows up in his overalls, I give him a free lesson, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll let you out of here, man. But I do want to hear about your new liquor business. What you got?
1: Oh uh, yeah, me and uh, myself and a couple of my tour guys, uh, Hudson and Kirk, and and then Davis Love, and then we got a couple other business guys I'm buddies with are working on. And we're still in the early phases of it, but doing a whiskey distillery up here in Carter'sville. I own some other businesses. My wife and I own two uh, retail stores. where like they're called blue sky outfitter but they're like an rei type thing yeah we have one here and one in Rome, georgia and then then uh so i've kind of had the entrepreneur of gene but we're talking about doing a and we're you know we've been working on it for a year a big business like this was hard to get off the ground but we're working on just doing a you know whiskey and rye whiskey distillery in cartersville and trying to make it a georgia brand and it's kind of we all kind of, you know, obviously we want to make some money doing it, but we all think it'll be fun. And, you know, with the tour presence, guys, they'll help us with the kind of marketing of the thing. And, and we've got a guy that's kind of helping us. That anybody that's like a whiskey aficionado, this David Tickerell, is going to kind of help us with the mash mixes and the blends. And he's, he was the master sell at Maker's Mark for like 14 years, and super involved with uh, Whistle Pig and a couple other big brands mm. in the u.s so yeah we we've, we've got the right group together it's just it's a pretty complex thing to get off the ground we just haven't got the balloon off the ground yet we're we're getting close yeah well
0: you got you got a name for the whiskey yet
1: well the name that we've got is it's going to be called the federal distilling company and the reason why was back in the, the pre-civil war Barto county there was a there was a distillery here, it was on the the Confederate maps and it was it was the locals called it the Federal because they weren't moonshiners, they paid taxes. Mm. And it's on it's on a little creek here called Hurricane Creek and Hurricane Hollow. So we kinda of used that name. We're not positive that's gonna be the name on the label. That's pretty sure that's what the distilling company is gonna be but uh that's kind of the story behind that and that's you know we're just kind of looking for some local deal local story where we could tie it into the marketing of it. but yeah that's we're, we're grinding about i was just at a meeting in atlanta yesterday with uh david pickerel and a couple of the other the owners of the company so should be should be fun
0: awesome man well we can't wait to hear hear more about that when that gets off the ground that'll be cool dude we yeah. Uh, Love catching up with you. Appreciate your time, man. Um, I, I know I would love to have you on again and, and we get some more stories and um uh, congrats on such a good year, man. You're your you guys have done really well. You've got a good stable of young players too, mixed in there with like Mulanax and H V three and those guys. And um, man, we're we're just glad to know you and enjoy talking to you again and hope to hope to see you and hang out here one of these days too.
1: All right, man. Loved it.
0: Thanks for the time, dude.
2: Point out the colors of you. I see them too. And boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait till fly to
0: partake in all this. Hey, we are here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. I just want you to come with me. Please. With Amazon
1: Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.